We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Xu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Hello, we are back because we never left. (laughs) (laughs) Another week, another time with us. (laughs) What a lovely time we get to spend together as we talk about dating and all the things pertaining to dating and relationships. Someone asked me this past weekend, how long do you think, think people will be interested in dating for? And I asked the question back, when have people n- not been interested in dating, right? Never. Never. It just seems like even our parents' generation, my yeah. grandparents' generation, everybody loves talking about dating. And everyone loves talking about love. The larger vision Mm. of it, too. I feel like there's never an end. I agree. It's not just modern dating. While modern dating is a beast of its own, it has a lot of aspects that people find mind-boggling and confusing. You're right. People talked about dating. There's men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Like, that book is so old. (laughs) How to... (laughs) why men love bitches like those books the rules like that was long before modern dating there was clearly a market to even have those books in the first place because people feel like someone cracked the code yeah and all they want to do is just follow this formula to find love but what we've discovered on this podcast is there is no one way there's Mm -hmm. just millions of ways and you just have to find your own way Similar to what we're going to talk about on this week's episode. Yes, this week's episode was such a good one because we actually had our guest, Paula. She reached out a long time ago when we were looking to find, what were we calling them? They were going to be like our Uh, sample daters. In the field daters, yeah. Yeah. Because UA and I are not on dating apps actively anymore. We are (laughs) researchers solely at this point. At that stage, like we say, dating never stops, even if you're a the most committed of relationships. True that. We were thinking it could be cool to have some people that were more in the field. And that being said, we're still open to this. Of course, two of the people that we were scoping for this are now in relationships. So this shit does work. But (laughs) they did crack the code. 
<laughs> yeah, cracking the code is volunteering to be our infield dater, exactly. and then you get a relationship exactly. miraculously. What? Or it's listening to Dateable for seasons on seasons. Mm. I would say that's cracking the code. But that being said, <laughs> we reconnected with Paola, and she was in a relationship. And when I talked to her, it was really fascinating because she started off not wanting a relationship, wanting to be very casual. And we always hear people being like, how do I, you know, make the situationship into something more? Or, you know, they're saying they just want something casual, but I want something committed. Can it work? So I think this angle is always interesting. But then you layer on the fact that she's now just exploring non-monogamy for the first time with her partner, Jonah who also was super casual and now they're committed. Mm -hmm. We were just like, we need to talk to them. There's too much to understand here. (laughs) Let's schedule them now. What works for them is that they had a mutual starting point, which is being casual and being exploratory and being open to what could possibly happen. What often causes friction is when two people do not have the same starting point. One person says that they're looking for something casual when they're really not. Or you think you could change someone into wanting what you want because I've been there before. That's for sure. Yeah, we're playing like cool girl where you're thinking, yeah, we can keep this cash. No big deal. My feelings won't get hurt. And then you get the feels and that's, I mean, that's what happens. But she intentionally wanted to go casual. He intentionally wanted to go casual due to their previous relationship experiences and grew their relationship organically from there. Well, that's the part, I think, back to what we were saying earlier, is that modern dating can be so mind-boggling for people. You never know what people are actually looking for. In today's world, right, there is monogamy. When you actually break that down, what does monogamy even look like? It can mean so many different things for different people. Then you added polyamory, you added open relationships. There's so many ways to do a relationship. You have no idea what that other person's idea of a relationship is. And also, where have they been in the past? Because where you enter the dating world, we all have a past. And that defines what we're looking for so much. I know, you know, even for me, like there's been times that I was back into the dating world after a breakup and I was like, yeah, I'm looking for a relationship, but I wasn't really. Mm -hmm. I was kind of just like recovering from heartbreak. So you just don't know where people are at. But you could wholeheartedly say you want to be in a relationship. Yeah. But you're not mentally prepared for it or ready for it. It's also relative, too, because when you say relationship versus casual, what does that mean? Right. What you consider casual could be considered really serious for someone else. But that's why we have to get on the same page. It's it's not that getting on the same page. I feel like daters feel like, oh, on my dating profile, I just say I'm looking for something casual and Anybody who says, who wants to match with me, we're automatically on the same page. You're not. You may not be speaking the same language. No, I 100% agree. I, you know, I put this up as my Instagram post of in our quarters, you and I have been kind of doing our own revelations (laughs) as we've been working on some secret projects, but also just reflecting on this podcast. My shower thought revelation was Mm -hmm. we always want to DTR and define the relationship. But what does that actually even mean to us? We never define what a relationship means. Like I know for me, and the language we use is so important. I remember for years being like, I just want to be crazy about someone. Well, Mm -hmm. that's what I got. Someone that made me crazy. Careful what you wish for. (laughs) 
Yep. Be careful what you wish for. It's hard. It's very, there's just so many different ways you could define a relationship. So many different mm-hmm. ways you could define a non-relationship and still have a relationship. Back to this episode, even as casual as they were in the beginning, you'll see that it was still a relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's semantics at this point, but it's really about aligning your values and understanding getting on the same page with your your language yeah i find that's probably the culprit for all the dating conundrums that we face is that we assume the other person is speaking our same language yeah we assume they want what we want and if they don't we're going to change their mind to want it instead of just accept That's not what they want, and we're not going to change it. Right. And the only way to understand it is to talk about it and not to, like, ask your friends what they think. Right. But we're afraid to talk about it because we don't want the answer, especially when we get into this mindset of, and I totally remember being there, of it's so hard to meet someone, the scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. So then when you do meet someone that you jive with, the last thing you want to hear is, I'm not ready for a relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's funny. Like, that is always the line. Like, I'm not ready for a relationship. But again, it's so broad. Like, just relationship is the broadest term. Like, maybe you would be ready for whatever that person is proposing. It's so hard to know. It's I know. Exactly. What do you mean by relationship? What does that look like? What are we – how are we spending our time? Yeah. Right? And that could be so different. It can encompass so many things. My relationship of two years, that wasn't really a relationship the last year. But surface level, you're like, yeah, they're in a relationship. But emotionally, we weren't. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like until this current relationship I'm in, I have been in relationships, but they felt very independent. Like I was Mm. doing my thing. It's kind of like you're in this forever dating phase, even though you've defined it. Say your boyfriend, girlfriend, or girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever. But you're not accounting for the other person and doing a life with them in any way yeah. that i think is a very different relationship that's why it's always like when people are like yeah i have been together with this person for six months what does that mean do you see them yeah. like once a week do you see them once every month do you see them six times a week seven times a week like that's all very different yeah how you're spending that time It's so important. It's way more important than like the time spent together. And I also realize when you and your partner, or it could be someone new you're dating, decide on something together, change is gradual and you have to be patient with that change and kind of go with that change. What I'm going through right now currently with my partner is like we're trying to merge more of our lives together. And I used to think once you say that, you just do it. You just Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, you do the thing. I don't even know what the thing is, but like something changes drastically. But what I realize is I need the time and space to take this slowly. Yeah. We're just clearing out his apartment this weekend and I'm getting a little bit scared about it. And I think that's normal, but it's like, oh, shit, we're doing this. I wanted it. Right. But now we're actually doing this. So it's like that gradual change happens and we should be okay with that versus like a major drastic thing that supposedly happens overnight definitely well (laughs) so many revelations so many things to think of and hopefully this episode could spark some ideas for all of you that are listening very exciting announcement is that our final exit interview season finale i guess we'll call it 
(laughs) where we do catch up with the past guests and we share our revelations during it is coming out this week. So Thursday, that's when Exit Interview drops. If you haven't listened yet, maybe you're still straggling. We know we give you a lot of great content here on Dateable. So if you haven't had time to listen yet, we are not upset. The time is now. Go binge. You'll catch up on all Mm -hmm. 12 episodes. It's like watching Netflix. We're telling you it's better than Love is Blind. So much more drama. (laughs) So So many more insights. So yeah, binge it all now. (laughs) And we're doing a future episode on Dateable to answer all of your burning questions about X interview. We'll peel back the curtains and show you how the show was made, how the guests were sourced. But what are your burning questions? Is there a guest that you want to learn more about? Get mm-hmm. the update from them. Do you want to know more about the production side? How do we record these? How do we get people to even talk on the show? We, we're an open book and we'll dedicate that time to any questions you have. You can DM us on Instagram or email us, hello at datablepodcast.com. I thought it'd be fun if we could like get one of our exes to do an exit interview about us. It's possible. But... <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. I don't know if that's really going to happen. Maybe our current partners could do it. Oh, hell no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not mine. Maybe yours. Not mine. He wouldn't come on air. It would have to be like a answer the question. Oh, and then we read it? Then we read it. I don't know. Might not, might not have the same drama and effect, but... That's not a bad idea, Julie. Maybe we just send out a survey to our exes. They don't have to come on the show. They just have to fill out. How satisfied were you in this relationship? A scale one to five. <laughs> Leave a review like on Amazon. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel like all of our guests were brave souls and I learned a lot from them. So you can also ask us what were some of the biggest revelations that guests may have shared or if you've had a revelation, we would love to hear that in a podcast review. So exit interview is due. It means so much to us if you were to drop us five stars and share what you've learned from listening to this series. It goes such a long way. I know we've said this over and over again, but reviews really are everything in podcasting, especially on a podcast like exit interview that's brand spanking new. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, before we get into it, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I recently learned that I can get triggered because I jump to conclusions, but I could avoid that if I could just pause and seek understanding of what is being said to me. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Therapy has helped me unlearn from my past and forge a new path that benefits me better. My therapist makes me feel like I have a cheerleader who is always rooting for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Datable today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. 
This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. Okay, let's hear it from Jonah and Paula. One of our favorite things to hear about is how couples get together, how they meet, how they decide to have a relationship together, and how do the stars align? Seems sometimes a little bit tough. So our guests today are going to tell us their story of how they met, but separately. So we'll see if your stories match up. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times it's like, where were you when you met and how did you decide to commit to each other? So first we've got Paola. She is 35 years old from New York, originally from San Diego and Honolulu, two of my favorite places, and in a non-monogamous relationship. How are you, Paola? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. So when you met Jonah, where were you with relationships? What was your mindset like? I had met Jonah in May 2022. And at this point, I had moved to New York in March. And the month prior, so February, I had broken up with a partner I was with for a little over a year. We broke up the day before Valentine's Day. It was awful. (laughs) And yeah, so around the time when Jonah and I had met, we had met on an app called Field. Mm -hmm. I was definitely not ready for something serious, but was also really wanting to date and get out there, especially in a whole new city. That's where I was at was... I was on the app. I was very explicit that I wanted something casual. I was not ready for something serious. So Field is known to be, you know, the non-monogamous app, more (laughs) of the alternative lifestyle, non-traditional type of relationship. Was that what you were seeking going into it? Or what was your thought process getting on Field? Yes, it was exactly that. So I had found out about Field from friends in the Bay Area, actually, who mm-hmm. I was sharing with this really good friend of mine that I had been interested in non-monogamy, but it's always just been more of this thought that I actually never really got to take into fruition. And so when I was telling her about this, her partner was overhearing our conversation and he was like, oh, has she heard of this app called Field? There's a lot of non-monogamous people on there and people are usually really direct about what they're looking for. And so I was like, you know, a, a big city like New York, like, yeah, Field's probably here. And sure enough, yes, I signed up and there are plenty of people on Field here. <laughs> I've heard great things about Field, but one of the things I've heard that's so wonderful about it is that people have very open conversations from the get-go. There's no, are you looking for this? Are you sure you're looking for this? Everyone's really upfront. But this was your first time exploring into the field of non-monogamy? 
Yes, yes. And I think, at least my experience, I feel that it's full of people who are also exploring these things for the very first time. So when I met Jonah, it was exact. he was kind of in a very similar boat, had also just gone out of a long-term monogamous relationship, had only been in monogamous relationships before, and wanted to try non-monogamy. So. so tell us about meeting Jonah on the app. Take us through it if you were to go back. You've been together now for what you said, about a year? Yeah, yeah. It'll be a year this May. So coming up real fast. So we matched. And from what I remember, he on field, like with many of the apps, you can like ping someone, which you either have to like pay for the subscription or to be able to do that. So I remember like, so that person pops up on the app compared to all the other likes, right? And so I got a ping from him is what I remember. And I remember his opening message was just very direct. It was like, hey, you're (laughs) really cute. Do you want to go get dinner sometime? (laughs) Like he wanted to get straight out of the messaging and into the date. And that also tends to be my style. And he ended up being the second person I went on a date with from field. And we got dinner and I thought we hit it off like immediately. And were you both in the mindset or I guess talk to us about your mindset first. You're not looking for anything serious. You're exploring non-monogamy. You're on this first date with Jonah. What are you thinking? Are you like, oh, let's see what we can explore together? Yeah, my mindset was, again, like I wasn't in any rush to get into a serious relationship that I really wanted to explore non-monogamy. And I was very curious and excited to see people who are also trying to explore this as well. And so as we were talking, like, I mean, it just felt like just like, you know, just kind of like a normal first date. Like I thought we were hitting it off a lot. There were moments in that first date, especially like toward the end of it, where I remember feeling like initial anxiety for like, wait, this was going like really, really well. What if there is long term potential here? What if this can be serious? And like, I'm messing it up by like starting it off casual. But those fears like went away really quick. I was like, that's like silly. (laughs) So you put him in this casual bucket because of where you were in life that you weren't looking for anything serious. Mm -hmm. How did he start to come? out of this like just through like how your relationship progressed that made you think like okay this might be more we were both very clear from each other and we we're constantly reiterating to each other for what i would say at least like those first few months that you know this is casual we're looking for something casual at the same time we were going on real dates first of all like this wasn't just like going to each other's homes and just like hooking up we were going out to dinner we were going out for drinks like he took me on the ferry for the first time because again this is like a very new city for me and I felt like I was it was just really fun to like really explore this with someone so on one hand like to me it felt like real dates like it didn't really feel that much more different than when I am dating and like wanting a serious relationship but things were starting a shift around like yeah it's probably around the three month mark at this point like I was still dating other people I was sure that he was dating other people as well but I started getting some anxiety around I was like wait I could see this as being something more than casual maybe not yet because I'm I feel like I'm still not ready but I could see that going that direction but is he on that same page or is he viewing this as like no this is going to be casual forever and I remember having that conversation with him like about three months of dating and then he said no like I could see this going somewhere else but yes I'm not ready for that yet how did you make the shift from because you were just saying oh I started feeling like this could be something serious but those silly feelings I wanted to stop feeling that way how did you go from kind of like a state of denial (laughs) of wanting something more serious to I do actually want something more long term 
God, that's such a good question because we both were like, again, we're still non-monogamous. We were non-monogamous then. And so, and this is also both of our first times going through it. So for me, one of my things to wrap my head around was in monogamous relationships, typically serious means exclusivity. Mm. It was like months were passing. I was like, okay, this is not going in that direction. For me, it just ended up being probably like several months in and like just realizing like, oh, I'm in love with this person. Mm. (laughs) And I I'm starting to feel like he feels the same way as well. It was about, yeah, about five months in where he said it first. He said, I love you. And I like felt the same way. And we both talked later that we, I guess we both had been feeling it for a couple of weeks now, but we're both like, okay, let's like sit on it and wait and see if that's it's a real <laughs> feeling or is it just like impulsive like vibes. But yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is like, how do you define casual and how do you define committed? I think you started to go down that of, you know, in monogamous, it's exclusive, but then love entered the picture. Like, is there any other ways that you would describe the two? Over time, again, it's like we're, we're still exploring this and we're still talking about this, but I think both of us are on the same page about how now that we are serious versus casual and they're like, we have made this commitment to be together long term. Like, what are those markers of commitment then if it's not mm-hmm. exclusivity right and so for example one of the big things like we have been talking about now for like a, probably about a couple of months that we want to do by the end of the year is like we do want to move in together like we do see ourselves doing that and are like starting to make plans toward that and that's like something that we feel is one of the many ways in which we're going to show our like long-term commitment to each other now, non-monogamy can work in so many different ways. So two-part question. One is, what made you curious about non-monogamy? And two is, how does your relationship work? I got curious about non-monogamy because I'd only been in long-term monogamous relationships and with my longest one being 10 years long. And it was always from this is like an intellectual space of like, we can't possibly only love one person for the rest of our lives, right? And that also the separation of like, you know, love and sex. Like in my head, I was like, in theory, it must be possible to be able to love someone and have sex with multiple people and still be in love with that person. Yeah. So it kind of started as that for me. And I remember really just like reading a lot of books on it, like listening to a lot of podcasts and just talking to a lot of people about it for years until actually really trying it. So currently, even in just a year we've been together, it has already started to shift. And we have been talking about how we think like over, you know, the years that we're together, we could see ourselves where maybe there will be periods where we are monogamous. Maybe there will be periods where we'll go back into non-monogamy. Maybe the non-monogamy itself also shifts. And even for us, for example, around like September of last year was when I stopped dating other people because I unfortunately had a really, really bad situation happen with someone that I had hooked up with. And so mm. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not ready. Like I would rather just like only date you, but I'm not telling you, you should stop. Like you should go ahead and continue mm. to date whoever you want. And so he had and then more recently, probably like, like about a couple months now, we have started to date together, like date mm. other couples and date other individuals. So oh. that's also something we've been doing. Interesting. Mm. And, you know, I'm just like hearing people ask this question is like, things aren't serious. I'm more uh, in this casual state, but I want it to become serious. You kind of have this urban myth of we both started off casual and now we're committed. The conversation that most people would have was the DTR conversation, or are we going to stop seeing other people? Like, how did this conversation go down? And what advice would you have for someone that's in this position? 
it happened in phases. And again, I think a lot of this is because the exclusivity is not like the only marker of seriousness. You know, I described that conversation like a few months in where I was like, can this go somewhere serious? And then he said yes. And then there were these moments that just happened naturally where, you know, he had invited me to a music video release and someone asked like, how do you know each other? And I said, oh, we're dating. Because in my head, I was like, well, yeah, we go on down on dates, we're dating. <laughs> and then we talked about it after and he was like, yeah, yeah, no, that is how I would describe it. And then, you know, as time has progressed, I think it comes up in ways that's not very much different than monogamous relationships where, you know, introducing each other and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my boyfriend and him being like, oh, it felt really nice to be called your boyfriend. And but yeah, I feel like to me, a lot of the big markers were just one, that conversation of like, will this ever go serious or if this is going to be just casual indefinitely and then falling in love with each other and declaring that Mm. was like also just kind of like another like big marker. I would give this advice to anyone regardless of whether they're monogamous or non-monogamous, but I thought what was so different with this relationship versus any other relationship I'd started was really taking things day per day and really not Mm -hmm. trying to project so much on the other person. And I do think that was some of the biggest challenge I'd had had in previous when I was like dating and looking for a serious relationship. I think it was Esther Perel who put it really well, where we oftentimes will go into the dates and like the very early stages of dating and like we're like auditioning this person for a role and they have no idea they're even auditioning auditioning for it. With Jonah, because both of us had declared that we wanted something casual. And even as the feeling started slowly creeping up for me, where I was like, oh, maybe this could go more than casual. I had to constantly stop myself and be like, no, I got to take what he's saying at face value. He's like not ready for something serious yet. And we got to take this a day at a time. I would say the second thing that I was constantly telling myself was, you know, two, three months in at the end of the day, this person is still a complete stranger. Mm. Like, I think there's just no way in hell that you will fully know whether someone is long-term potential until like, more time has passed and so that was like always just a really good reality check for me like oh yeah Yeah. this person's still um very much a stranger (laughs) (laughs) that's actually a really great perspective and also just keeps everybody realistic about what dating really is I mean you're just you are a mirror of strangers coming together in in comparison to the lifetime that we've been alive for you and your partner have been together the shortest amount of time this is really just an opportunity to get to know each other what I'm hearing you say that is, I think, so helpful for anybody dating is what are the markers of commitment? Because we have the societal markers of commitment. And so many of us struggle with that. Is it like these milestones that we have to hit? Is it the three month mark? We have to DTR and then it's meeting the parents and then it's getting married, etc. But you're saying the marker of a commitment for you two, even though you're non-monogamous, is that your relationship keeps progressing and that you keep building upon it with each other. Now, what are some of the rules of engagement for you two when it comes to what does infidelity look like? We have been, you know, even just our openness around talking to each other has progressed over time. Like I would say like the first several months of us dating, we kind of had this unspoken of agreement where (laughs) we both knew we were dating and hooking up with other people, but we just like didn't talk about it. And then we finally had a conversation where we were like, okay, if this is really serious, like I think we should be more open with each other and be able to talk with each other about our dates and our hookups and these kinds of experiences. And I feel like that was all 
also a huge turning point for us because I do think we got so, so, so much closer that way and the trust got built so much more. That said, on the question of infidelity, you know, we had a recent situation where he had hooked up with someone in another city some months ago and she reached out to him very recently saying, hey, I'm going to be in New York City in a few months, in a couple months, let's meet up. And there was just something in my gut where it didn't sit right with me, which is funny because he had casual arrangements, like has casual consistent arrangements with other people. He's hooked up with other people, but there was just something about this. And as I processed it a little bit more, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I think some of it's just the fact that like, why is she reaching out like so much in advance? Like, oh. is she planning this trip mm. like to meet up with him? Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I expressed this to him and he was like, no. No, he was like, you're right. Like I am getting that vibe too, that I don't want her to plan like a trip for me. I don't want her to get the wrong idea that, you know, I'm looking for something romantic with her. We talked about it. And again, like I never, ever really want to feel like I'm telling him what to do or giving him ultimatums. But he was the one who was like, no, like I I don't feel comfortable now, like seeing her, especially if it's like making you feel this way. So I guess hypothetically, like, you know, infidelity in our situation would be expressing these kinds of things and saying one thing and then not doing the other thing and then not and then being dishonest about it or him not right. disclosing to me right like maybe him see, going and seeing her anyway and then not telling me. right so jonah's your primary partner right and then you have other people that do you have other like relationships or is it more just like sexual it's more sexual for both of us at this moment. We have both non-monogamy is a very broad like yeah. umbrella, right? There's a lot of people too who identify as poly. Neither of us identify as that because in I think I guess in our minds and our definitions, being poly is having multiple committed partnerships, whereas both of us really are like it's like, okay, yeah, we're primaries, but any other partners, it's really just like casual. And at this point, neither of us even have casual and consistent anymore. It's just like purely casual. So when you first started out, like, was that kind of what you were envisioning? Or were you really just like, I have no idea what I'm envisioning? (laughs) I had no idea what I was envisioning. But I kind of know myself enough where I had a feeling it would be something like this, where I would have a primary and then perhaps hook up with other people. Like I was very trying to be very, very open minded to Polly. And I still am. But it is really interesting. Like one thing, I've just really learned about myself in this process is like ever since like things got like really like serious with Jonah and really committed like I don't want to be on the apps like I like don't want to be on the apps at all I'm like way more open to something organically happening like if I was out in a bar but in terms of just like us dating together like he does all that work thank god like he's the one on the apps like (laughs) finding people and matching people and messaging with people and then like arranging (laughs) all the dates I'm just like not into it I want to know more about dating as a couple, but I'm going to save that for the end because I feel like you two need to (laughs) talk about that together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, really excited to hear Jonah's take on all of Mm -hmm. this. And we are going to have him come on next and then we'll bring you back together. Hello. Hi, Jonah. (laughs) Man of the hour. Let's meet who Jonah is first. He is 29 years old from New York City, originally from Washington, D.C., and in a non-monogamous relationship with Paola. Where were you in terms of your perspective on dating and what you wanted out of dating when you first met Paola? So we both had gotten out of monogamous relationships a few months before we first met. And 
which I think is a very lucky turn of events that we were like very much on like the same timeline. That timing worked out just really nicely because I'd heard about non-monogamy a lot over the years. And after I went through that breakup, I thought this is probably a good time to try. But of course, very slowly and with the understanding that I have like no idea really how to do this. <laughs> I was also very, very fortunate to, I have people in my family and I have friends who've been non-monogamous for a long time. And that was a really good resource to have, just people that I could ask. And also just whenever they are telling stories about their dating lives, I would just like listen a little harder. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, all that to say, it was like, yeah, I was very open to new things, but I knew like it was going to, I still needed to do a lot of like healing and processing for my last relationship. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I want to be clear with people. I am looking for something casual. I'd prefer for things to be consistent. I'd prefer to like get to know the person that I'm going on dates with or sleeping with. Luckily, Paula was very much on the same page from the beginning. So how long was your relationship before this? And then like, what's the timeline from when you broke up to when you're like on fields in other apps? Or were you on other apps? <laughs> I did take a look at other apps, but by far, like field became the favorite very quickly. It was just people are very clear and very direct starting in their bios. But to get to your other question, that relationship was a little over three years and then it was, I think, a couple months of like absolutely nothing, just like trying to steer clear. And then I was like, okay, cool. Like, I want to go meet people. Like, I always was telling myself one of the things that I missed the most about being single was like, honestly, like, I don't know if this is un unusual, but it's like, I love first date conversations. <laughs> Julie does too. I miss it every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I miss it every and day. <laughs> Maybe I should be non monogamous. And <laughs> 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 I was like, okay, cool. Like, I met this cool person, even if it's totally clear that there will not be a second date, that nothing's going to happen. I was like, this is a, an interesting person that I probably would not have met in any other context. Mm -hmm. And it being a date, you do share a lot <laughs> with somebody. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I can respect this person and move on from that. I was very ready to like get back into that. That was something that I had definitely missed. You said something that I just want to clarify. You said in the beginning of dating, you wanted something casual, but consistent because you want to get to know people. How do you help people understand what consistent yet casual means? Because to me, if I'm spending consistent time with someone, it's going to get a little serious. Totally. And I had a situation years ago where I started seeing someone and we, we had a very explicit conversation like, we're going to try and keep this casual. At the time, I thought this was a mistake on my part of like, we would have these explicit conversations saying we are casual, but then we would like do a lot together. We'd spend a lot of time together and like exactly what you're saying. Inevitably, like it starts to feel more serious. And so uh, for a long time, I worry that in that situation, I was in a way giving mixed signals where like our conversations were very much like, hey, we're going to keep this casual. But then it was like, okay, cool. We're going to like lay in bed for a long time and oh, let's go for a hike or something like that. Right. And when that ended, it was very hard for her. And I realized like, oh, like I did not, at least in this situation, I did not communicate as well as I could have. I carried that experience with me for years. And so I thought like in order to do casual and consistent, I thought I have to keep a wall up uh -huh. and like really like keep things very surface level, at least like in terms of the conversations that we have. I hope that is the most direct answer to your question. It's like the way that I thought that 
you do that is by honestly being a little bit colder and being a little bit more withdrawn. And I thought that was the most respectful thing to do. I had a really good conversation with Paula when we were still in our casual part of our relationship where she said like, hey, like we've talked about being casual. We've had these conversations where we've talked about this explicitly. We're good. We're on the same page, but still I'd like to get to know you a little bit more. And I realized like, oh, I think I might have swung too far into like being cold and detached. And I realized like, okay, I think there is a way to be casual yet consistent and share a little bit more about like childhood stories and, you know, all that stuff, you know. (laughs) But then that also put you on the path to serious, right? Yeah. (laughs) So it's like... (laughs) Yeah, I think there were also situations that I was in where I was able to open up with people and it did not become serious. Got it. What I also realized was that there are people where so long as you have that explicit conversation, that warmth is still welcome, even if it does stay casual. All I'd say is like, I don't think it's inevitable that as soon as you start like sharing more stuff that it becomes serious or nothing. I think there's still a way for it to stay casual as long as it works for both people and then it ends when it stops working. Well, I'm sure like being on field too helped, right? And like setting the expectations. Like, I don't know where you met the other person you mentioned, but so much of it is expectation setting. And if two people are on the same page, it's not like, oh yeah, it's casual, but I'm secretly hoping it's more. <laughs> it needs to be that both people are like, yeah, it's casual. That's what I want. Totally. I agree. At what point in your getting to know stage with Paula did you think, okay, this is actually pretty serious? The seeds were definitely being planted around her birthday, which was three or four months into seeing her, I like planned multiple days of activities. And I was like, this feels fun. I could see myself like doing this for years. I could see myself like doing special things for this person, like having Mm. just that feeling of when you're with someone that you really love, when you're like just looking forward to the next like opportunity to celebrate being with them. Mm. And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm really looking forward to like celebrating her birthday with her. It was still a couple more months until I first told her that I loved her. And I think that that was really where I can see this becoming serious. I want this to become serious and I want her to know. (laughs) And also I do love her and I like might as well, well, like spill the beans. (laughs) Don't want to keep that to myself. So how did you like work through the shift? Like, cause you very much came in being like, I wanted to be casual. Clearly you met someone that challenged that, that you started to have feelings for. How did you rectify like, okay, this isn't what I initially wanted, but I'm going to go with it. I knew eventually I would, be ready for something serious. Okay. I knew it was not going to be just a few months after a serious breakup. I knew that at some point I would be ready for that. I didn't know if the next person I got serious with would be someone that I was already seeing or someone that I met who was new. I was very ready to just find it wherever I found it. And I found it with Paolo. Do you recall any pivotal moments in early dating with you two? Conversations that you had or something that happened where you two had to kind of recalibrate and get on the same page? I think one of them was, she said, hey, like, I want to know more about you one way or the other. I think that was definitely one of those big ones. We had lots of really important, productive conversations about how much time to spend together and how much time to talk, how to walk the balance between like letting each other have independence and time to ourselves and like how much time do we want to spend like really focused on each other. So how did that net out the time spent? How has that changed over time too? Definitely it was for a long time. We'd see each other maybe once a week, sometimes once every couple weeks. We both travel a lot for work. Also, you have friends and family in DC. And so I'll just go and work remotely and crash at my sister's place. And there's a while where we did not see each other super often. And now we hang out probably six days a week at this point. (laughs) A part of that was just like gradual and just slowly just like 
is a sort of subconscious thing where it's like, what am I going to do with my time this week? It's like thinking of her more often and start making, just texting her and be like, okay, let's do this thing on this day. Like a part of it's like sort of like subconscious, like, okay, I think about her more often. So I'm going to make more plans with her often. I'm going to see her more often. But we also, we did a, a couple of vacations most recently. This is like sort of like towards the end of this process of spending more and more time together. But we did almost a full two weeks of being totally inseparable. Mm-hmm. We went to Hawaii where she lived for a long time. And that was almost a full two weeks of being pretty much inseparable. And we were like, there's no reason not to keep this going in New York. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's like everybody has their own level of introversion and extroversion. So it's like I was totally open to being like, OK, cool, like. We can do a week nonstop together, but then one of us will just kind of want to go sit and read on their own for a while. But we were having a blast the whole time. So it's like, cool, like, let's hang out constantly. (laughs) (laughs) What have been some contentious topics for you two? Do you remember your first conflict? what that was about. We had a a couple different times towards the beginning that were about spending time together and spending time talking. Mm. Essentially, there were times where I would just like go cold and not text her back for a little while. We had different expectations at one point for how much to stay in contact. We ended up having to find a a middle ground that worked great for us. And in the end, it was like, it doesn't feel like a chore by any means to talk to this person. Like I was having it. (laughs) The solution was something I was very eager to (laughs) to jump into. I was like, yeah, cool. Like Let's talk more. (laughs) I mean, this sounds like something that a lot of couples face right of like especially the beginning of a relationship is how much time to dedicate to one another you two clearly have the added piece of non-monogamy how did that change from the beginning of seeing other people to now when you're spending six days a week together like how does that work for a long time we were trying to figure out how much do we want to know about what the other person's up to we were both super new to non-monogamy we didn't know what are the best practices for like how much to share about dates that were going on but yeah no of course like the more now that we've spent so much time together it's like the only policy that works is knowing everything Mm -hmm. that's going on with each other everything (laughs) (laughs) you know within reason (laughs) we are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey and yet we rate everything in our lives from uber drivers to local coffee shops so why don't we do the same thing when dating we're here to conduct the ultimate romance review featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback welcome to exit interview he upgraded himself to business class while i was in economy (laughs) wait wow what there's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. We asked Paola this too, like, how do you define casual and committed in this context? Like you were just saying, I go on these other dates that are more casual. Is it simply just not sharing much about yourself? Or like, what is the line? And how do you like represent that without the typical standards of monogamy? 
I think it's all about setting expectations. When I was much younger, I would have thought like there can absolutely be no feelings. Like as soon as feelings enter the picture, like it is broken, it's done. We had a long period where we were like pretty much just dating separately. And now we've brought dating together into the picture. And there are some circumstances under which we are, are still comfortable dating separately, but really our focus is right now just on each other and dating together. And yeah, especially like in the context of traveling or being open to like the, the spontaneous things that we just find. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm in a bar and the bartender's cute. And now we're flirting. It's like, I don't want to put up a wall the way that I did when I was younger, for sure. Do you tell people about Paola that like she's your primary partner? Is that a way also? Yes. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I'm just on field and... One of the nice things about the app is that like her face is right there at the bottom of my profile. It's like, Mm -hmm. it says that we're linked. Like everybody is immediately on the same page, Mm. which is a really nice part of that. Mm. I would love to get you two back together because we have some questions for the both of you. Okay, so we have Paola and Jonah back together now. (laughs) This has been so interesting to hear from both of you and just how things have progressed with the two of you. And I think the like commonality I've heard through both of your stories is that you both kind of went in with little expectations, but just genuinely liked each other as people. And we forget that so often with dating when we're trying to make things go a certain way that ultimately we just want to spend time with a person that we enjoy. And I think there's like something so pure about what you shared that it's hard when you're looking for something serious. It kind of like really worked out well for you two that you just weren't in that boat. But I think even for people that want something committed, want something monogamous, like there's a lot to be learned from just the mindset of just taking it one day at a time, like you mentioned, Paola. I think that's exactly it. Like (laughs) I was telling them that I think for me anyway, what made this so different was just taking things a day at a time, not projecting so much of like, oh, what I'm on or trying to build you up as, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, he's going to be like perfect long-term relationship material when, you know, it's only been like a month and like I'm barely getting to know you. There's just so much communication between the two of you because I think there's just a lot of alignment that needs to be done in any relationship. But you two came into this wanting to be on the same page and making an effort to be on the same page, which is what so many relationships could use, even if it is a casual relationship. You know, both of you have talked about how the casualness of your interactions is already laid out and you know what that means. And the seriousness is also laid out. There are just no questions, but I have questions. I have questions about, (laughs) let's get to the first question that I want to ask earlier, but I couldn't, I want to get both of you together. Dating as a couple, what does that look like? How do you do that logistically? We can create a whole show around this, but just really high level. How does that work? (laughs) Well, I already began telling them that you do all, because like, I don't like being on the apps. I I remember one way you put it, like dating in some ways is like a hobby for you. Like you actually really enjoy (laughs) the apps and setting these dates up. So you could go. (laughs) I mean, this is a very specific anecdote, but I hope it paints a broader picture. The first couple that we met up with, they're wonderful. We're still in touch. They eventually told us that they have a hand signal. Oh. And we've taken that model for ourselves. It's like, it's the, the best way to do it, at least for us. It's like, before we walk into the bar, between Paula and I, we talk about what we're comfortable with, what our limits are. We start to think through a couple hypotheticals of like, you like them, but I don't, or whatever. <laughs> and like, what things like that are. You have time to prep before you walk in, but then when you're in the situation, you can't just like 
split off and have huddles. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's where you have a hand signal. And we go to the bathroom together. Yeah. Exactly, right. Because that's where you have the hand signals. It's um, Which, of course, we cannot reveal in a public setting. We have an extremely secret, extremely sophisticated hand signal, which is... Uh, but it's just a simple yes and a simple no. And Ooh. you have to be able to check in while you're in the moment about like, is this going well? Is this not going well? So if one of you says yes and one of you say no, is it like abort at that point? For that night, yes. We haven't had an agreement. And then that hasn't happened to us yet, but okay. we've talked oh. about, okay, we will convene after that. And then I guess decide from there, like, oh, if, well, if you're still interested in them, do you want to see them? Is that something they would even be open with? <laughs> but that hasn't happened yet. But right. in theory, that's what we would do. Because <laughs> I mean, because we could disagree. One of us could say yes and the other could say no for a number of reasons. It could be just something as simple as attraction, or it could be one of us saw a red flag that the other one missed. Because mm. if it's that, clearly neither of us are going to see them again. But if it was just an attraction thing, it's like, okay, cool. Like you liked them and I didn't feel free to go. You can, the second date can just be you and them. If Like that's something that's on the table for us. And if there is unanimous yes, what happens next? How just do you even know orgy? that couple yeah. feels the same way? <laughs> It's interesting. It's like someone has to take the lead. Right. Uh-huh. When it's two people on the date, someone has to be the first person to say, should we have the next drink at my place or whatever it is. In this situation, it's definitely a little bit more intimidating because you're not saying that to one person, you're saying it to three people. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's what it is. Like somebody just has to like make a call and just be the first person to like say like, let's go to the next level. <laughs> So if you're all into it, is it just a foursome? Or like, what does that look like? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a foursome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, so far, that that's what those situations have been like. You know, other couples have shared their stories where it kind of awkwardly split off, where it was just like, they were basically just having sex, like with their in their respective couples, but in the same room. And oh, that was not the expectation of what they thought it was going to be. That's not happened to us yet. It's, yeah, it's really just right, kind of been right, a foursome. Right. You're more inclusive. Would you do like a swap or is that not really what is interesting to you too? Oh, Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. We swap. Okay. So I guess like this is a clear evolution of your relationship in non-monogamy. I know it's hard to look through a crystal ball, but like where do you see your relationship going next? I know, Paola, you mentioned you're talking about moving in together. What other aspects either related to non-monogamy or just more, you know, generic to all relationships are on your radar? Yeah, I think we've both talked a lot about how the conversation on non-monogamy is like it's going to be never ending like it's just going to be something you know years and years down the line that we're constantly going to be negotiating like yeah we want to live together and then when we do move in together though that's going to be a whole discussion on like oh yeah what if we are dating separately again and one person wants to bring someone home like mm-hmm. those conversations like need to happen you know I've also brought up just the hypotheticals of what if certain big life events happen where you know I shared an example of where I didn't want to date anymore but I was okay with him dating but I could see scenarios where one of maybe one of us is going through a really really hard time and in mm-hmm. requests that the other person like can we just be monogamous for now but and then just constantly thinking about I guess yeah again these just kind of like these markers of commitment that work for us and not just for you know what society is telling us to do and in what order right yeah we talk about those things like I think both of us would like a family one day and those are just kind of the conversations that come up sometimes and I can't think of other examples right now, but vacations, you know, like just those kind of things. Is, Is marriage? marriage in a- yeah. yeah. <laughs> James. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that's on the table. Yeah. I've been married before. Okay. 
And I am open to doing it again. I feel, again, going back to what society really demands, I when I got married at 27, I did feel like there was this like unspoken of pressure to get to that place with my partner at the time. And now I like just like don't feel that way at all. Like I am kind of excited about the prospect of getting married one day, not because of this societal pressure, but because like, I, you know, I really want to, we really want to. What is some advice you would give just as a last thought to anyone who is looking for something serious and they really like someone, but that person say, I'm looking for something casual. And this person looking for something serious is like, I think I can convince them. If I stick around long enough, I can convince them to be serious. That doesn't sound good. (laughs) I mean, I think what really helped was that we were like on the same page. If either of us had said very early on, like, I only want something serious sooner. It's like, if I was in that position and I wanted something serious and you didn't, I would probably say like, okay, cool. We met at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Like I would probably get rid of the plan of trying to make things serious. You wouldn't force it. I wouldn't try to force it. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't try to force it either. I feel like our whole relationship has given me a lot to process around is the question of timing mm-hmm. and whether is timing really a real thing. And yeah, in some ways like, yeah, things did line up well for us overall. Maybe some of that is luck. Actually, I think really good think it goes back to the communication and I think to the person who is like coming into this being like, I'm looking for something serious, but maybe I could convince this person. Like I get the advice I'd be like, is like, why do you want to be in a serious relationship with this particular person? Do you really know them? Do you like, how about you kind of slow things down and take things day by day to really assess whether that is something that you really, really want with this particular person? Like, I think it's totally okay to be like, yeah, I want something serious. Like if that's what you want, then that's what you want. But yeah, I think, like really taking it day by day with a person is important and then the communication too I do probably like four or five dates in it wasn't that like it was really early on where I was like hey I noticed our conversations aren't really going like as deep like as I want them to I know we want something casual but I go deep with my friends like that's what I would want a casual relationship too, not just a serious relationship and he was super receptive to it and he said yeah I was right that he he was kind of putting walls up a little bit and explained why and then you made like an effort and then the conversations did go deeper after that and to me it was just like okay this is like a good indication that we can communicate well with each other he's responsive to it and then you just got to keep an initiating those kind of conversations. I mean, I think honestly, that's like my biggest takeaway of this whole conversation is like you both have removed so much pressure. It's easier said than done, like if you really want something. But I think that there is something to be said about letting things naturally unfold a bit. And I love to of just like, let's carve our own path. It's so interesting because I feel like you kind of have like best of both worlds right now. Like you have the super committed partner. You know, let's be honest, when you're dating someone for a while and it's monogamous, you could like get kind of in a rut a little like you kind of have the excitement of dating too at the same time of like who's around the corner who am I gonna meet tomorrow so I like that you two have like figured out what works but also you're open to where things are gonna go I think just the openness in general like when you brought this up Paola that you wanted things maybe to be more serious it wasn't a demand but it was more of are you open to that And I think that's a really good takeaway for anyone that's in this position, that they might be with someone and they're feeling the feelings a little. They want it to be more serious than it was, whether they either want it to be serious from the get-go or it's 
went from casual to more committed or wanting to be more committed. I think that's a really good way to approach things of just what are you open to? It doesn't need to be a decision today, but is this something that we can grow into together? So that's kind of my key takeaways from this conversation. Exactly. When you both came into this relationship wanting something casual and non-monogamous, that translated to me as saying, I just want to throw the rules out the window and see what happens. What you were actually looking for is I'm looking for someone to create a relationship with. And that's exactly what you two did. You did it your own way in a way that works for you. And so many times when daters date these days, they come in with this mindset that I'm looking for a relationship. I'm looking for hookups, like something so concrete. But what you're saying is this could all change. You could all evolve. We could be monogamous one day, non-monogamous the next day. We could be breaking up in a year or getting married in a year. So many things could change and you're open to it all as long as you're in it together. So I really admire you too for finding that path. I also really just admire this open communication, like being on the same page and aligning yourselves with each other is huge. So that's something that we can all learn too. Is couples need to check in. Even if it's early dating, you got to check in. You got to be like, are you liking this? Is it working for you? You feeling good? You feel seen? You feel heard? Let's make sure that we take care of each other. Are there any other takeaways? I know you are living and breathing this story, but from having this conversation and reflecting back or any other words of wisdom you want to share? I think on, you know, maybe one thing that's on my mind is just one of the points you were just making about like having the best of both worlds. We get that committed like relationship where we don't get the lull of monogamy. I mean, we both are reading like, again, we're reading Esther Perel's Mating in Captivity and she talks a lot about, she talks both about monogamous and non-monogamous relationships, but she says, like even the monogamous ones right like being able to kind of foster that desire means like also just like you know living your separate lives and I think that is where non-monogamy perhaps that kind of makes that easier where you by dating other people or hooking up with other people or having other partners you kind of like retain some of that separateness and not that codependency or like that enmeshment that tends to happen in monogamous relationships but I do think that's possible in monogamy too yeah to have that because yeah the sex is great when with other couples and like with other like individuals but (laughs) it's also been amazing with just us two too like this is like by far the best sex (laughs) I've ever had like in any (laughs) like relationship and but I think a lot of it comes down to yeah it's just the basics the communication it's all that yeah, I would, I would second that for sure. It's like borrowing, I believe, it's an Esther Perel concept of like the threat of the third to like mm-hmm. keep things exciting or like the dance of like coming together and going apart between mm-hmm. a couple, whether they're monogamous or not. You want that dancing apart thing. So you look across the room and you're like, oh, you're hot. And then you, <laughs> and then you go right back to them. All that to say, it's like, I don't think that the non-monogamy is only that yeah i don't think it is only a threat of the third and i don't think it is the only threat of the third that we could have meaning it's, it's like we find ways to like keep ourselves interested in each other i know that we'd be able to recreate that like threat of the third effect without non-monogamy right. mm-hmm. is one thing i'm trying to say and the other thing is that like i don't think the appeal of like sleeping with other people is oh this is going to be good for my sex life with paula right it's like it doesn't feel like necessarily connected in that right way yeah you're not doing it solely for improving your sex life with each other <laughs> yeah it's a lifestyle yeah. it's, <laughs> right. it's yeah. not like you're testing yeah. your relationship in some way yeah really fascinating conversation you two i mean first we wanted to talk about 
going from casual to serious, but the non-monogamous piece is, adds a whole other layer of what does casual versus serious even mean? I think this is going to give people a lot of yeah. good food for thought. Thank you so much for sharing your love story with us and good luck with the move in with each other and uh, continue on your relationship. For all of our listeners, did you learn something in this episode? We're so sure you did because Julie and I probably just took a shit ton of notes on what what just went down, <laughs> what we've learned. So give us a rating review in Apple Podcasts and write your learning in there. You know, from this Paula and Jonah episode, what did you learn from their love story? Write it in the body of that review and give us five stars. We really appreciate that. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay Thinkable! The Datable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Datable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay datable. Stay datable.